Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to invite you uh, to find your seats once again. Uh, we, we're really glad that you're here. What a great, great way to kick off this Sunday morning. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good times to, to be had there. Uh, hopefully you'll, obviously you will, but be telling your kids how great they did, uh, grandkids how well they did, and just a, a great time. Also, before I forget, Michelle wanted me to be sure and tell you, uh, parents, your kids will all be in room 101, which is out into the, the main lobby and to the left, that where you dropped them off this morning. Uh, they'll all be together. They're going to be watching what they just did. We had that recorded, uh, having some snacks, and then uh, that's where they'll be for you to pick them up at the end of the service today. Uh, we find ourselves in week two of our Christmas series called Christmas Presents. Uh, and yes, we realize that that is a cheesy uh, way to, to kick off the season and title, and yet it kind of accurately describes what we're striving to do. Uh, it's something that, that people have used uh, before. It's not unique to us, but it really emphasizes what we're trying to do in this Advent series. So uh, what we want to do is provide you today with just a couple of practical suggestions on how when we get to the end of this month, the end of this holiday season, that we are filled with joy and not just glad that it's over right? That, that's what we want to do. So we want to give you a couple of things today. As a church, it's our mission to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Jesus. And we do that uh, in all, we strive to do that in everything, in our programming, in our, in our events. Uh, we, we take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living. And, and as such, we worship and glorify him in this community. We prioritize being together. We uh, hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer. And we strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our community and in our world. Uh, last week, we kicked off this series with this one kind of basic thought that your presence is the best present you can give those around you. Uh, we talked about how what we really don't need is more stuff and more presents. What we need is more presence. People need you in their life. Uh, and, and that's sometimes hard to do uh, because there's no shortage of voices out there telling you to do two things, right? To spend more and to attend more right? Spend more money on stuff and attend more events like this one, right? You got, you got to be here. It's, it's, they're good things. Uh, and that's not bad to spend or to attend. It's just we don't want to get to the end of this holiday season and just be glad it's over. Again, we, we want it to be a time filled with joy, a time where the people around you are filled with love and you are filled with love as well. One practical thing that we encourage you to do last week is to change the wallpaper on your phone. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many people did that. I just want to let you know that uh, that's something, there you go, Sab <laughs> Sabrina did it. Um, we want to invite you to do that as well. Jackie uh, created for us a, a wallpaper that you can put on your phone. You can either make it your home screen, your lock screen, or both, whatever you decide to do. And it looks just like that. It, it says, be present. And so if you, uh, didn't, if you weren't here last week or didn't have an opportunity to do that, there's a couple different ways you can do that. One, uh, the way you do it is you open up your uh, camera app on your phone. And if you have a smartphone, this will work. As I said last week, if you don't have a smartphone, you're probably already ahead of the game here, right? But you can uh, either point that at the screen and uh, get that, or it's in your bulletin. And it will take you to a link, and you can download the picture, and you can make that your wallpaper. And if that doesn't work for you, you can go to our website, you can go to our Instagram, you can go to Facebook, and you can grab that. And if that really doesn't work for you either, then probably any of the kids up on the stage today could probably show you how it's done, right? Uh, they know technology. They know the way that works. So... And we realize that changing the wallpaper on your phone isn't going to fix everything, but it can't hurt. Uh, it, it's this season, we want to encourage you to be, be present. So every time you look at your phone, 
it will remind you just to be present, to be where you are when you are there. So you can say, right here, right now, I am here with you. The idea is to put down technology and build relationships up. So that's, that's our goal for you. Because here's the interesting thing about technology. It allows us to feel like we already know what's happening in people's lives and in the world. Technology allows to be instantly connected with people now more than ever before in history. And even in spite of that, sociologists say that the emotion most commonly shared by people during this time of year is loneliness, which leads to isolation. And even though that I can tweet my thoughts and I can Instagram my food, Snapchat my story electronically, mail lots of information, act like Dick Tracy and, and speak into my watch like a walkie-talkie, I can even video conference call uh, like the Jetsons used to, right? Uh, I can do that on my phone, my tablet, my uh, computer, whatever the case may be. We are highly connected, right? But what we find is we still have this feeling of being disconnected and lonely, so I wanna pass on some things to you that I learned about God's remedy for loneliness because the reality is you could be here today, you could be at a party, you could be at an event, a gathering, you can be in a room filled with people and still feel very alone. And one of the reasons that happens is because God has created within us this need to really connect, to not just be around people but to connect with people. It's a God-given emotion is loneliness, because if we didn't feel loneliness, then we probably wouldn't be as eager to connect with other people. So here's where we begin today, and I'm gonna jump and run. The premise is that you, your desire to be known and to be loved comes from God. So when you feel those things, that comes from God. God created us with this desire to connect, to be known and to know, to be loved and to love. So grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's, it's where we were last week. We're going to go a little farther in it today. Uh, open your Bible app, the PCC app. If you're reaching for a blue Bible in front of you, it'll be on or around page 473. If you're opening the Bible and you can't find it, kind of go to the middle. You'll find Psalms, and then it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Psalms is pretty easy to find. Ecclesiastes is right beyond that. Uh, put the text in your hands in some form or fashion. I want to encourage you to do that to become familiar with it, and uh, so, so that is, is helpful for you. Also grab your sermon notes in case there's something you decide you want to write down. Um, as you're finding that scripture, I wanna take a step backwards to help kind of put a little context within this. Um, I'm gonna go back to the book of Genesis. You don't have to turn there, that it'll be on the screen. Uh, but if we go back there, there's some reasons why loneliness is an issue for all of us at various points in our life. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, the text says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, the way I want you to think about this is we, were, we are created in the image of God, not so much as we look like God in our physical appearance, but in the way we live and the way we act and the way we think, the way we love, that is how we are to be in his image. The things that bring God joy should bring us joy. The things that, that break the heart of God should break our heart. We need to love what and as God loves. But because we live in a fallen world, a sinful world, a broken world, we often exemplify this, this distorted image of God, don't we? We, we don't really live our lives uh, just like God, but, but we're striving to be like him. We're striving to be in his image. And one of the things that happens as we strive to live in his image is we try to love like he loves. In fact, scripture says, 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. 
And in his love is the desire and the capacity for relationships, for us to connect. It's what we as humans have within us as we are created in the image of God. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now I want you to think about where Adam is. That's who he's talking about, right? Where's Adam when this is being said? Testing your Bible knowledge, anyone? Not a trick question. Garden of Eden, right? Adam is in the Garden of Eden. Now, everything I've ever thought and kind of learned about the Garden of Eden was it was the perfect place, right? Absolutely perfect. No need, everything was there. He is in paradise, as we would say, and yet, it was not good for him to be alone. Back in the garden, it began. Adam and Eve belonged to each other. They belonged to God, and we still reflect that today. It's not good for us to be alone. At some point in our lives, or even at multiple points in our lives, we feel alone. And what's interesting is even though there's this obvious loneliness that we experience sometimes as a result of of physical or geographical separation, the reality, again, is, is you can be surrounded by your friends and family and still feel really lonely. On top of that, we don't like to admit that we're lonely, do we? I mean, we just don't like to say that because then we sound needy and people judge. We just don't like to admit that we're lonely. And yet, I, I wanna encourage you that we are lonely and when we feel lonely, it's God's way of reminding us that we need to be moving toward knowing and loving and growing relationships. It's called community. We all desire it, we all need it. And the amazing news is that we can experience it. Today, we continue in the text from last week, Ecclesiastes 4. We're gonna jump in verse nine and help us walk through this for over the next just few minutes. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. The first thing we see is that two can accomplish more working together than one can by themselves, right? Verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So not only are we designed to work well together, but also to help each other to help someone else when they have a need and to receive help when we have a need. Now, this is one of those verses for me that's, that's hard and not hard. It's not hard in the respect that when I see someone who has a need to help someone else up, I, I'm more than happy to do that. But you know what I hesitate doing? I hesitate asking someone else to help me up. And you know what that's called? <laughs> that's called pride. That's called uh, self-centeredness. It's called a desire for control. And you know what those things lead to? You do. They lead to being alone. They lead to isolation. Look at the rest of verse 10. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Again, this idea of loneliness and isolation comes into view. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, this is more than just cuddling up this winter to stay warm, right? That's not the only thing that's being talked about. It speaks of our need for proximity, our need to be around people, for physical touch. It's one of the reasons we try to encourage you, like we just did, to stand up, to give each other a hug, a handshake, or high five. It's what Dylan says almost every week, the same thing, because we want to encourage you to, to be connected in physical proximity with someone else. God created us with this need and this desire to, be, ha, to have this physical interaction with others. Now, there are a lot of unhealthy ways that this desire and need for uh, physical touch manifests itself. 
But what we're talking about is this uh, ability to make other people feel warm and to feel welcome, to feel accepted. We want people, uh, especially here at PCC, to know that you are welcome, that you are loved, that you are accepted. Now, I I know, uh, and some of you, I'm going to step directly on your toes. And hopefully you know I do that in love, right? Because I step on my own enough, i got to step on yours every once in a while too, right? Some of you, you strategically try to show up after the meet and greet time, or you plan your coffee run right at that time because it's not your thing, okay? I get it. I, I understand. But for some people, that's the time that they look forward to because it can fill them up. It's an opportunity for them to be in proximity with other people, to, to give that hug, to have that handshake, to give that high five. It's, it's, it's a way of, of us saying to other people, you're not alone. And I think it's God's way of working through us to tell other people, or God's way of working through other people to tell us that you are not alone. I'm right here. God says you are important, you are special, and he does that through us. And so that's why one of those times is so important. And it's why we try to do that each and every week that we're together. Our presence is a reminder of God's presence in each other's life. 12, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the ultimate expression of, hey, I got your back, right? It's that way of saying that we can defend each other. The, the example is of a, of a cord or a rope. A cord of three strands is not a rope until it's woven together, right? Then it becomes strong. Uh, the, the interesting thing about that is that when we are individuals, we are, have a certain amount of strength, but, but when we bind and, uh, ourselves together, then we truly become strong. That's when we allow God uh, to be in our lives and we intertwine with each other's lives. Uh, Our lives are stronger. It's what we call doing life together. Because even though you have a lot of Facebook friends, you might have a lot of followers on Twitter or Instagram, we know that those things can never replace real life presence, real life community, and real life relationships. Here's the second thing I want to pass on to you. Loneliness can only be cured by belonging to a real and loving community. God designed us with this need to belong, to belong to a family. And one of the the key families to which we can belong is a church. One of the things technology has done uh, as well for us is it allows us the opportunity to stay at home and to listen to messages that are far better than mine, right? Right? people that are are much better speakers. It it allows you to to watch uh, worship services that are far more polished than what we do. No offense, Dylan, just the truth, right? It allows you to watch children's programs that are a lot more Hollywood or Disney-esque than what we could ever present, right? But when when that's our only avenue, we we really miss it because it's not really church. It's it's just kind of doing something, and we're missing out on those relationships. Psalm Chapter 68, verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. God knows that we need to belong to a family, so he places us in one. And it really doesn't matter if you're connected to your biological family or not. God's plan is to still place you in a family, in a family of believers, in a church community. I propose this. God designed the church to be a family where you can belong. And the key word in that statement is the word can. Because you can if you want to. It really is up to you. I know people that that have church membership, but they don't belong. 
I know people who, who have a, a place where they attend, but they don't belong. Because here's the reality. You can attend a church, you can attend this church each and every week and never miss and still not belong. Because you can come in and you can go out and you don't really have any significant relationships. It's why we push small groups like we do here at PCC. Small groups are where you find a place and a community and a family to which you can truly belong. I tell people all the time that if your schedule is such that you have to choose between being here on a Sunday morning like you are today or going to a small group, right? You only have that one block. It's one of the two. Go to small group. Go to a small group. Invest in a small group because that is where you will find family. You'll find the opportunity to grow deeper, to, to experience what it means to be the body of Christ. There is where you truly meet needs and you pray for each other. You encourage one another and you hold each other accountable. And biblically-based small groups can do that in a way that no other group can, not the PTA or the Lions Club or the Kiwanis or the Elks, no other group or organization like them that can have the potential of allowing you to belong to a family the way a church can and does and should. And it's really beautiful to hear and to see uh, those things happen, to hear the stories of people's lives, of how they're impacted and changed as we uh, meet together and serve together and, and do life together. God does some amazing things. God designed the church to be a family where you can belong, and belonging is a remedy to loneliness. Uh, here's the other side of the coin, right? And I, I recognize that this may be you. You may be sitting there saying, you know what? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I don't need a church. I don't need a small group. I'm not lonely. I'm fine. And I want to respect that. that that's great for you. And, and that's a good thing for you. But my pushback to you is this. What if it's not just about you and what you need? You see, the world around us tells us that we need to be happy. And especially this time of the year, we get a lot more of those uh, uh, messages, don't we? We're told things that, that if you want to be happy, then what must you do? You just need to buy this you need to wear this, drive this new car, vacation here. Uh, society tells us that we just need to live there, attend this event, have this job, get this education, obtain that promotion, and yet we're smart enough because we're experienced enough to know that those things alone never truly bring us satisfaction. We're always looking for something more. It's like we looked at last week when we talked about all those things and, and at the conclusion of it was that it's all just meaningless and I would propose that's because God wants to work through you to rescue people from loneliness. The people you work with, the people who attend uh, your school, those on the team, uh, the family, and even the people in your neighborhood, right? The people you meet each day, the people that, that God places in your path, the people you interact with, you have the opportunity to impact them. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. We need to be on the lookout for those opportunities that God places in our path and opportunities to impact other people's lives. The text continues, it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. A part of your purpose is not just to think about, hey, what's best for me? whether I attend church and if I don't. And if I do, do they sing the songs that I like? And will the message be short? And will the coffee be hot? Part of our purpose it goes beyond that. It goes to our being the, having the ability to rescue other people from their loneliness, to impact someone else's life. So here's what I would suggest. Three things. 
that I want to wrap up with. Um, that I read these and I thought they were really practical and so I, I share them with you. Three L's. Number one, look. You need to look people in the eye. Make eye contact with them and acknowledge them. This is something that, that I, after I read this, I started observing and we just don't do this much anymore, especially when we're out in public, right? When we're ordering food or we're at the coffee shop or whatever, what are we doing instead? Right? And we, we never really make eye contact with anybody. We're just kind of looking down and scrolling through our phones and we're in our own little world and you're like, yeah, could I get the, the double cafe latte, blah, 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 right? That's what we do. Why not make eye contact with someone and call them by name? Uh, one of the things I was challenged with a long time ago and it's something that I continue to, to try to do is when I'm interacting with someone who has on a name tag, I read their name tag and then I make eye contact with them and I call them by name. And I gotta tell you, sometimes it really freaks them out, right? They're like... And that just shows me how seldom it happens, where they're just doing something and they're not really acknowledged as a person. And yet when we take the moment to read their name, look them in the eye and call them by name, it can make a huge difference to that person. The second thing, we need to listen. We need to listen to their story. And I get it, this is harder with random people that we just you know, interact with for a brief moment. But, but if you're somewhat familiar with a person you can look them in the eye and you can ask them the simple question, what's going on in your life? And hear me on this, what's going on in your life? Because that's really different than the standard thing that we ask, which is, hey, how are you? Because everybody has the answer to that, right? That's the standard thing. And it just kind of means, I know I need to be polite to you, but I really don't even care about your answer. But if we take the moment to say, how are you in a real way? What's going on in your life? It gives the opportunity for that person to be heard and possibly even known. And here's the other thing I wanna encourage you with. Don't just ask the question and listen so that you can tell your story. <laughs> we do that, don't we? This person starts telling a story and you're like, oh, I've got a version of that story. I think it's a little better. So as soon as they get done, I'm gonna tell my story. And here's the details I wanna be sure and include. Don't. Listen. Be still and let them talk. And as you listen, You'll be able to ask deeper questions like what's on your mind and what's in your heart and, and what keeps you up at night? And then just listen. The beauty of it is you don't even have to offer advice. You don't have to try to figure out how to fix it. Just listen. In my position as a pastor, that's what I realize people need more than anything. They just need someone to engage with them, to listen to what's on their heart and mind. And you can do that as well. Look. Listen, the third thing is this, love. Just need to let people know that they're loved. Look them in the eye, listen to their story, and tell them verbally you're loved. Allow God to work in you and through you to love people. And even though it's gonna produce some awkward moments at time, isn't the chance of a little bit of awkwardness worth letting someone know that they are loved by God? And maybe even by you? So I wanna encourage you this week, something very practical as you're out doing your thing, as you're going 100 miles an hour trying to get it all done, and you instinctively grab your phone and look at it, and you see that it reminds you to be present, to put it back in your pocket, and to be with the person who is in front of you, to listen, to look them in the eye, to let them know they're loved. And the amazing thing is, as you do this, not only will you impact someone else, but you will be impacted as well, which is why it's such a beautiful remedy for loneliness. This morning, as we wrap up uh, our message time and this part of our service, we're gonna do so with communion. 
Communion is, is one of those uh, opportunities that we have to be reminded that we're not alone, to be reminded that God is with us. And, and so I want to suggest to those of you who are here today that identify as believers, would you in this time recognize the fact that, that when we take of the bread which represents his body and when we drink of the juice which represents his blood, that this is an opportunity for us to commune with God to know that he is present with us, an opportunity to remember and to celebrate what God has done for us through his son, Jesus, that because of his love, we have relationship with him and we have a relationship with each other. And because of his love and his grace, those relationships can be restored and they can be beautiful things so that we know not only that, that we are loved, that we are known, but that we can share that with other people, that they too can be known and be loved. So as the ushers pass the trays and as we partake this morning, I invite you to reflect on the love that draws us out of the loneliness and draws us out of self and into communion with God and with others. I'm gonna pray and we'll ask the ushers to pass the trays. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time and for this moment. Thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate that you are with us. We love you, Father. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.